0: Loving greetings to you all from the International Headquarters of Self-Realization Fellowship, the Mother Center atop Mount Washington in Los Angeles, California. My name is Brother Kamalananda and it gives me immense joy to welcome members and friends of Self-Realization Fellowship, Yogoda Satsang Society of India and truth seekers who are joining us from all over the world for this first SRF online convocation A very warm welcome to each one of you and literally so because we are having warm temperature in Los Angeles these days the room I am in right now is what we call the library and it is situated across from the main chapel in the main building at the international headquarters as many of you know our beloved guru Paramahansa Yogananda established this international headquarters in 1925, and in the early days, in this room, he gave classes to the resident disciples. Then in 1943, he established printing operations here and some of the printing equipment was installed in this room. Between 1943 and 1956, much of the SRF literature was printed from this location. So it gives me immense joy to greet you all from this sacred space. As you know, our class today is a satsanga, a question and answer session. Our members have submitted questions on various aspects of the spiritual life, how to apply spiritual teachings in daily conduct. And I will try to answer a few of them today. Some of the questions that I will not be able to take up today will be addressed on a future occasion. So let's get started. Our first question is, please speak about feelings of guilt on the spiritual path. Guilt for missing a meditation, or for feelings of fear, anger, envy, etc. For not being a good enough devotee. Actually, there are three questions. There are two more questions after this, and they were all related. They came from different individuals. But I'm trying to address them together because they all address different facets of the same topic of guilt, feelings of self-deprecation and being feeling not good enough. So the second related question is, I have observed comments by some fellow devotees very negative or self-deprecating. Is that a useful path to self-realization? How can we catch ourselves from hurting us? And the third related question is, I have a habit of being really hard on myself. I expect perfection in my behavior and meditation practice. Needless to say, I always fall short. I expect perfection in my mothering too. And of course, I fall way short. How do I mother my child with love, acceptance and patience towards myself? so I can energetically influence him to do the same towards himself. Now, these are all excellent questions. And let me tell you from the very beginning that every sincere devotee on the spiritual path feels that they are not good enough. And the reason is because each one of us who is sincere wants to so much excel on the spiritual path to please God and Guru, to do our very best in trying to achieve our goal of life, self-realization. And the spiritual standards that our Guru Paramahansa Yogananda has set, and for that matter, any true genuine spiritual teaching, the ideals are so lofty, so high, that a lot of the time we feel that we can never reach that high standard and high ideal. And consequently, we feel that we are falling short and we are not good enough. But if we take a step back, and really analyze the root of these feelings. In my opinion, it is because we feel that God judges us. We feel that whenever we make a mistake or there is a weakness in our character, we feel that God is upset with us. You see, as human beings in ordinary human consciousness, it is very difficult for us to comprehend the concept of unconditional love. The thing is, God loves us unconditionally, eternally. God is all-forgiving and He loves us very much despite our weaknesses and character flaws and the mistakes we may have made. Our Guru said that if you could feel even a particle of divine love, So great would be your joy, so overpowering, you could not contain it. Think of that. He's saying that if we could feel even a little particle of that divine love, we would be overwhelmed with joy. So what if we were able to experience all of the divine love? What would happen? And we need to constantly remind ourselves of God's love for us as His children. To help me what I have done is I have taken a statement of truth and written it on a piece of paper and stuck it on my bathroom mirror in the ashram. And the statement is, God loves me, His child, as much as He loves Krishna, Jesus and His great saints. And I read this multiple times during the day so that I can constantly remind myself of God's love for me and for all of his children. Let me share with you a story that appeared in the Self-Realization magazine some years ago. There was a simple woman and she was a devotee of Lord Jesus Christ. One day in church, as she was speaking to her priest, she confided to him that often in her meditations Lord Jesus would appear in visions and speak with her. Now the priest was somewhat skeptical of this claim, so he decided to test the woman. He said, next time in your meditations when Jesus appears to you and speaks to you, ask him a question. Ask him what terrible sin your priest committed in the seminary. Now, the sin the priest was thinking about was something he had committed many decades ago as a young man in the seminary. No one had known about it. He had not confided it to anyone. But the weight of that guilt was so heavy in his heart that even though since that time he had led an exemplary and pure life, he had not been able to open himself up to God's love and peace in his communions. So the woman accepted the request and she left. After a few days she came back and asked to meet the priest. The priest excitedly went to meet the woman and he asked her, Did Jesus Christ come to you in your meditations? And she said, Yes, he did. Did you ask him what sin I committed in the seminary? She said, Yes, I did. Well, what did he say? And the woman softly replied, He said, I don't remember. I don't remember. How sweet is that? That is God's unconditional love for us. That is our Guru's unconditional love for us. And that is how all the great masters and all the great saints love us. Unconditionally, eternally, with no condition. Now, the law of karma is very exacting, very strict. But God... God doesn't hold our mistakes against us. His love is never changing. Now let's talk about the related question about making self-deprecating comments, saying negative things about ourselves. Now it should be quite obvious that such an attitude is not in any way useful to our journey to self-realization. But some people may have the understanding or the misunderstanding that making negative comments about ourselves is a sign of humility but on the contrary such an attitude focuses the attention on the ego and creates a greater sense of separation between us and god and as we know that false sense of separation between us as human beings and god is the root cause of all our misery and suffering. So we want to certainly avoid making self-deprecating comments. True humility on the other hand means that we realize that God is the doer and that we are ultimately dependent on him for everything in our life. One time a disciple of Ji had made a big mistake and he was in the presence of the Master when I say master, I mean Paramansaji, because he was master of himself, master of his moods, his emotions. So this disciple was in the presence of the master and he was reviling himself. He was really criticizing himself for making that mistake. And I want to read to you what our Guru replied to him. Our Guru said, Do not think of yourself as a sinner. To do so is a desecration of the divine image within you. Why identify yourself with your weaknesses? Instead, affirm the truth, I am a child of God. Pray to him, not your good, I am thine own. Reawaken my memory of thee, O Heavenly Father. So whenever we have negative thoughts about ourselves, such as I am lazy or I am weak or I have this bad habit or that bad habit, What we need to do is, first of all, become aware that we are thinking negatively and then replace that thought with the opposite positive thought about strength, about courage, whatever we need at that particular time. Take something, a nugget of truth from our Guru's writings. I would highly recommend taking an affirmation from the Scientific Healing Affirmations booklet or from Where There Is Light a collection of our Guru's quotes on various subjects, extremely powerful and useful. Take an affirmation from one of these books. And one affirmation that I often use for myself is, there is hidden strength within me to overcome all obstacles and temptations. I will bring forth that indomitable power and energy. Now let me request you all to just close your eyes for a few seconds and repeat this affirmation after me. And as you do feel the vibration of our Guru's thoughts. Feel the energy behind those words. Make them your own. So close your eyes and repeat after me. There is hidden strength within me to overcome all obstacles and temptations. I will bring forth that indomitable power and energy. Repeat this over and over again until you can replace your negative thought about yourself with this thought of strength and realizing that you are a child of God made in His divine image. Now let's talk about the related question about making mistakes and feeling guilty. Now we all know that to err is human we all make mistakes don't we every day we make many mistakes but the point is not what the important point is is not the mistake itself but what we do afterward someone has said don't cling to a mistake just because you have taken a long time making it there is a lot of truth to that In human consciousness, we are subject to delusion, to maya, and we are bound to make mistakes. So what? So what if we fail? So what if we fall down? All we need to do is pick ourselves up and try again next time. For example, if you miss a meditation, feeling guilty about it actually doesn't help anything. You actually feel worse. So rather than feeling guilty, make up your mind, to try to do better next time, to have even a short meditation, to try to be more regular. You see, God doesn't hold our mistakes against us like we already spoke. And even though we may perceive many shortcomings, many weaknesses in our characters, many mistakes we have made in the past, it doesn't matter. And that is why our Guru said, that a saint is a sinner who never gave up. A saint is a sinner who never gave up. And we all know, I think, great saints from all the different spiritual traditions who in their younger days were perhaps not very saintly people. Some of them were even very worldly, materialistic people making many mistakes. But they became great saints. Why? Because they refused to identify themselves with their past mistakes, and using willpower, determination, and with the grace of God, they were able to overcome those flaws and become great saints. Someone has said that success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Oftentimes, success doesn't teach us much, but failures and mistakes can. They are amazing opportunities for us to grow, to grow spiritually and to learn from them. Michael Jordan, perhaps one of the greatest basketball players of all time, said that I have failed over and over again in life and that is why I succeed. Now, another very important point to remember in all of this is that we are not alone. God is with us, Guru is with us, waiting for us to ask them for help, supporting us silently, encouraging us. One time our Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, told a disciple, No matter how many times you fall, I will pick you up and place you on the lap of Divine Mother. Now note that he didn't say if you fall 50 times, I will pick you up and place you on the lap of Divine Mother and after that you're on your own. No, he said no matter how many times you fall, I will pick you up. So let us not fail to take advantage of our Guru's unconditional, all-forgiving love for us. I want to read to you something from our beloved former president, Sri Daya Mata. This is from her book Only Love, and it really touched me when I read this. So I thought I'll share this with you. She said, one day during meditation, I was bemoaning the fact that there was so much imperfection in me when suddenly I heard the sweet voice of the mother saying, but do you love me? And when I read this statement, I was so stunned because for all of us who are following the SRF and YSS teachings. Shri Daya Mata represents one of the greatest saints of this path, an ideal disciple. And she's saying that she was bemoaning all the imperfections that she saw within herself. So you and I are in good company, right? So we can make it too. If she was feeling the same, it's okay for us to feel the same way. So when the Divine Mother asked her, but do you love me? Daya goes on to say, at once my whole being was bursting with the love for her that flooded me. From that day to this, my mind has been absorbed in one thought. I am in love with my Divine Mother, and in that love, my life is surrendered to her to do with as she wishes. So like we have been saying, all God is asking us is for our love. God doesn't care about our mistakes. God doesn't care about our weaknesses. So so long as we are loving God, trying to love God, we are making progress. Our Guru said that even wanting to love God is loving God. And lastly, I would like to address briefly the topic about expectation and mothering. And many of the things we have discussed so far talk to that point to some degree or another but I would like to just talk about it separately just briefly you see like any human mother any human mother wants to see her children happy no human mother wants to see her children unhappy right so similarly Divine Mother wants to see us her children happy and the thing is we will not be happy if we are tying ourselves up in knots every time we perceive a weakness or a shortcoming in our behavior during the day. So the next time we find ourselves criticizing ourselves for some shortcoming, some perceived shortcoming, all we need to do is pause and in your mind's eye, visualize the loving benevolent form of the divine mother smiling at you, loving you, forgiving you. The thing is, if you are loving towards yourself because you are secure in God's love for you, then that attitude will automatically reflect in your relationship with your child and help him or her to develop that same healthy self-respect. So I hope that answers that question to some degree. Let's move on to the second question. The general topic is on forgiveness. The question reads, forgiveness doesn't always mean we forget. How can we deal with the memories that keep coming back in spite of not holding any grudges? It's a great question. And the way the question is phrased, I take it, that the person has been able to forgive in their heart whatever past hurt had taken place, but the memories of that experience keep coming back and causing pain. Now, I do have to question a little bit if the person has really indeed forgiven. And the reason I say that is because if one has truly forgiven, then even the memories of those past hurts would not cause any pain and I talk from experience. Things that bothered me some years ago, gradually over time, as I I was able to forgive more fully, even the memories of those hurtful experiences did not bother me as much. There was a husband and wife couple, and one time the husband made a pretty big mistake, and the wife just chewed him up for it. She gave him a very hard time, scolded him severely. The husband apologized, And they made up but from time to time the wife would remind the husband of his mistake and one day in exasperation the husband said my dear i thought our policy was to forgive and forget why do you keep reminding me of this and she said i know but i don't want you to forget that i have forgiven and forgotten so let us make sure that we have indeed forgiven past hurts now we easily remember our greatest joys and our greatest sorrows why our guru says we remember those things because they were deeply felt the deeper an experience is felt the more we will remember it you see memories are formed like grooves in the human brain And the deeper an experience is felt, the deeper that memory groove. And when we relive an experience over and over again, the needle of our attention makes those grooves deeper still. And then it becomes increasingly more difficult to avoid recalling past hurtful experiences. I want to read to you something about memory that our Guru said. The right use of memory. Our Guru said, to reproduce unhappy experiences in order to learn the lessons inherent in them is a proper use of memory, as then one may analyze his past behavior and avoid repeating in future the wrong acts that brought painful results. One should not bring back any wrong thought and relive it for then it will stay longer in the mind. Memory was given to us to keep alive only life's good experiences and lessons. Get rid of wrong past thoughts by avoiding recalling them. And then he says, and this is the key. He says, if they come to mind in spite of you, refuse to entertain them. If they come to mind in spite of you, refuse to entertain them. So how do we do that? I want to share with you a few insights from our Guru's teachings on how we can successfully try to avoid recalling negative experiences. So the first thing is to make sure, like I said in the beginning, is that we have indeed forgiven. So if your past hurtful experience revolves around an individual, let's make sure that we are doing our utmost to truly forgive that person. Visualize that individual in the spiritual eye at the point between the eyebrows and visualize them surrounded by God's light, God's love, God's peace, God's joy and send them, genuinely send them your heart's goodwill and joy. And ask God and Guru to give you the strength To give you the understanding to help forgive and forget God and Guru will help you if your prayer is sincere second point we have to remember that we are free agents we are endowed with free will by God even though at times it doesn't seem like that And we have complete control over which thoughts we entertain in our minds. Now, thoughts can be triggered in the brain seemingly out of our control. For example, thoughts can be triggered by sensations or thoughts could be triggered by other memory thoughts. But we are the gatekeepers of our mind and we have full power to determine which thoughts we give energy to, which thoughts we entertain, which thoughts we give attention to that is completely in our control. In other words, we are not helpless victims of our thoughts. We the soul are the master of our minds. If we choose to assume that control. Now these points I'm sharing hold true. If one has normal brain function, and normal mental health if someone has mental health challenges i would suggest that they seek professional advice and professional help now the next point is once we realize that we are thinking or reliving a hurtful experience from the past in spite of ourselves like our guru said then what do we do well First of all, we have to become aware of it as quickly as we can. And then, with an act of will, we have to cast that thought out of our minds. And immediately, replace it with a positive thought. Reliving a positive experience, using an affirmation. And then, divert your mind. You know, if you are unable to think a positive thought at that given moment, Divert your mind to a constructive activity. Go for a jog. Do some physical activity. Like I mentioned, our Guru has given us a very powerful tool to recalibrate our mind, to change our mindset. Affirmations. I would recommend that you create for yourself a tool set of affirmations that you can use under different circumstances. Like I mentioned earlier, the scientific healing affirmations where there is light contain nuggets of affirmations that you can use to cultivate strength, to awaken devotion, to awaken compassion. Anything that you will need in your daily activities, you will find. One such affirmation that I use myself when I want to soothe my mind, my brain, is is the following. I am submerged in eternal light. It permeates every particle of my being. I am living in that light. The Divine Spirit fills me within and without. And as you repeat this affirmation, visualize God's light permeating your brain, soothing it, sending vibrations of peace and love and goodwill, and helping you overcome those past negative hurts. In the Self-Realization Yogoda Satsang lessons, our master also gives another very powerful technique that I suggest that you can use in times of need. He says that in meditation, the yogi feels the power of concentration at the point between the eyebrows and peace all over their body. And when? that concentration is felt at the Kuthasta Chaitanya center, the Christ Consciousness center, at the point between the eyebrows, and peace is felt all over the body, we should reverse those vibrations of peace and concentration like rays and send them consciously to the brain. And our Guru says that practice will help to rid the brain cells of seeds of sickness, failure and any past negative experience. And last point I would like to say is that our thoughts are generally determined by our state of consciousness. Through the practice of a spiritual teaching, such as brought by our guru, Paramansa Yoganandaji, or any genuine spiritual teaching, we automatically uplift our consciousness We purify our heart and thereby start tuning into positive thoughts automatically and gradually over time, negative thoughts, negative past experiences bother us less and less. So I hope that answers your question on forgiveness. The next question is a good one also. And it reads as follows. Could you please shed some light on the dark night of the soul? Do all devotees have to go through this? I have been on the path for 20 plus years, overall smooth sailing up until now. For the past 18 months, karma has caught up with me. So many problems and troubles. From circumstances and from loved ones. My mind has got scattered. And my meditations have not been deep, despite my trying. Master seems silent. I feel anxious, sad, and all alone with no one to talk to. I unburden myself to master, but no reply. I don't know how long this will last. I find it so hard to face each day. Sometimes I feel I cannot cope. Do you have any advice? It's a great question. And let me tell you right from the beginning that every devotee on the spiritual path experiences this dark night of the soul at some point in their spiritual journey. It was a phrase used by Christian mystics to represent this period of darkness, this period of feeling all alone. and like i mentioned every devotee experiences this at some point or another in their spiritual journey i myself have experienced it so you're not alone welcome to the club a great direct disciple of our guru brother anandamoy he addresses this question very beautifully in a talk which is now sold as a dvd it's titled the wisdom of the bhagavad gita it's available on the SRF online bookstore and also as a digital rental. But let me try to summarize his main points in answer to your question. Let's take a step back to the point in time when we came to the spiritual teachings, when we discovered our Guru. Perhaps after years and years of struggle of searching, we finally found our Guru. We finally found our spiritual teaching at that time we were filled with so much enthusiasm because for once life made sense the goal of life was very clear and not only the goal was clear but we actually had a step-by-step methodology to attain that goal We were filled with enthusiasm, and because of that enthusiasm, perhaps our bad habits, our negative tendencies, our samskaras were pushed to the side, at least temporarily. We became vegetarians. We wanted the whole world to become vegetarians. We want to convert our family and friends into the spiritual path. And even in our meditations, we perhaps experience, we have certain experiences, wonderful experiences that God gave to us as gifts, as an encouragement. So things are growing great. But then what happens after some period of time, and that period of time is determined by individual karma and other circumstances, that initial enthusiasm starts fading. And then our bad habits, our samskaras, our negative tendencies that we thought we had conquered come back to the fore, perhaps with redoubled vigor. And we feel that we are going backward. Our meditations are restless. We don't feel any response from God. Guru seems silent, like the question said. And we feel all alone, no one to talk to. Now, I was very touched to read in this question that the person, even though the Guru's response is not tangible, that he or she continues to unburden themselves to the Master. And that's a beautiful thing, continue to do that. And this experience of the dark night of the soul has many wonderful lessons to teach us. It can be a period of tremendous spiritual growth. Why? Because it teaches us to love God unconditionally, without expectation. It teaches us humility. And like I mentioned before, even wanting to love God is loving God like our Guru said and so so long as we are making prog- so long as we are making our an effort we are making progress so just keep on I'd like to share a little story with you this is from the Mahabharata as many of you will know the Mahabharata was an, a war that was fought in ancient India between the righteous Pandava brothers and the evil Kaurava brothers Lord Krishna acted as a charioteer and guide to Arjuna, one of the Pandava princes. And through his skillful guidance, the Pandavas were able to defeat the Kauravas in the war. Now after the war had ended, Krishna wanted to go back to his own kingdom of Dwaraka in the west of India. But before he left, he wanted to spend some time with Kunti. Kunti was the mother of the five Pandava brothers. So he sought her out and spoke to her very lovingly. And as he was taking leave, Kunti stopped him. And she said, Lord, I want to ask you a boon before you go. And Krishna said, by all means, Kunti, Krishna knew how much Kunti had suffered, had sacrificed all her life and especially during the war. And he wanted to do something for her in return. So Kunti said, Lord, I have only one boon to ask you, and that is, my only goal in life is to remain in constant remembrance of the Lord. And therefore I ask you that let my life till my last days be filled with struggle and suffering. Let my eyes never be stranger to tears if that will help me to keep my Lord in my heart all the time. Now Krishna was quite taken aback by the strange request. He knew how much Kunti had already suffered. So he said, Kunti, I don't understand. Why didn't you ask for a life of comfort and prosperity and peace? Why did you ask for more suffering? Haven't you already suffered enough in life? And Kunti realized that Krishna was only testing her. And she said, Lord, I know that an easy life makes one indolent and forgetful of the true purpose of existence. Throughout my years of suffering, I have most urgently prayed to God. Adversity has taught me that I am completely dependent on God's grace in my life. And Krishna smiled very lovingly At Kunti, his eyes filled with tears. And he said, Kunti, you are a disciple filled with love and understanding. I bless you that may you never forget the Lord. May you always keep him in your heart till the end of your days. Now, the point I'm trying to make is not that we all need to pray for suffering and struggle. Those are coming fast enough into our life. But the main point is that these periods of darkness and struggle and tests can be times of great growth, can draw us closer to God and Guru, if we have the right attitude. Now when devotees are faced with challenging tests, times of struggle, there is one of two ways in which they can respond. The first is, The devotee adopts a victim mindset. They say, why do I have to go through this? I don't deserve this. They get upset with God. Some may even leave the spiritual path altogether. Perhaps you are aware of a few like that. And I certainly know a couple of people who I thought were very staunch devotees anchored in the spiritual path. They were hit by a nice, good test and they couldn't take it. They left the spiritual path altogether. They left the Guru very sad the second way in which a devotee can respond is like that of a baby monkey clinging to its mother have you ever seen a photograph of a baby monkey with its mother clinging to her that is how a true devotee responds in the face of challenges clinging to divine mother clinging to god because like kunti said the devotee realizes that we are utterly dependent on the grace of God. So real tests, challenging tests, can actually draw us closer to God, if we choose to do so. Now through these challenges and struggles, God is trying to also awaken our infinite divine potential. And again, you can use an affirmation to remind yourself of that truth One such affirmation that our Guru gives is, Dear Father, whatever conditions confront me, I know that they represent the next step in my unfoldment. I welcome all tests because I know that within me is the intelligence to understand and the power to overcome. Let me share with you a couple of testimonials that were sent in by long time disciples of the SRF teachings. We received these at the Mother Center a few years ago. And I was very encouraged when I read them, and I thought you will feel the same way. The first testimonial is I have practiced Kriya Yoga for 45 years. For more than 20 years, my meditations were dry, but I kept on with my twice daily practice. Now, in my later years, I am blessed beyond the ability of words to convey. The second testimonial, I was initiated into Kriya Yoga 20 years ago. Now this 20 years seems to be a coincidence across these two testimonials and also in the question. He goes on to say, I would like to share my insight that the distance to God is proportional to devotion. The more I ever longed to be with God, the clearer he showed himself to me. A year ago, the breath just stopped, the spine straightened from the bottom to the top, and the whole body froze in time, whereas the mind was overwhelmed with bright light and endless joy. So that is what we all have to look forward to. When we are passing through this dark night of the soul, it's like walking through a long, dark tunnel. We may be walking and going forward, but all we see is darkness. We feel we are not making any progress. But if we put one foot in front of the other, keep walking, doing our little part every single day, one day we will start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and gradually we will emerge out of the tunnel into the light. Our Guru's Param Guru Lahiri Mahasaya said, Banat Banat Banjaye. Striving, striving, one day behold the divine goal. So I hope that answers your question on the dark night of the soul. The next question, which also is our last question for our class today, is in the daily hustle bustle of life, work, family and children, it is so very easy to lose one's peace and calm. More especially when a person or circumstance is directly in front of us and there is no opportunity to step into silence. What is Guruji's advice? And I can pretty much guarantee you that every person who is watching this class can to some degree or another relate to this question. I know I can because our Guru keeps his monks and nuns in all of his ashrams across the world very busy. And each day is like going into a battle, isn't it so? And everything seems to contrive to dislodge us from that state of peace and equanimity. And especially in in this day and age when the world is going through very unique conditions where many of us are working from home because of safer at home restrictions. And we don't have that much freedom to leave our home, perhaps in certain places. So all of a sudden our home has become not only the place where we live, but also the place where we work from. It has become a place for learning for our children, It can be a quarantine for sick people in our home, among other things. And it is obvious that all of these things combined can add to the stresses of our daily life. I can only imagine some of the multitasking things that one has to do in their daily life. A mother, for example, who is also working. She may be preparing food for the family. Then immediately she has to jump onto a video phone call, video call with her colleagues at work. Then she's helping her children with homework. Then she has to work on her computer to prepare a report that is due the next day. And the list goes on and on. So it's a very legitimate question. How can we hold on to that peace when we have no opportunity to step out of that environment, step into the silence? And I want to give you a few insights from our Guru's teachings on how we could do this. Our Guru said that we need to learn to stand unshaken midst the crash of breaking worlds. Learn to stand unshaken midst the crash of breaking worlds. How do we do this? Well the first thing is to remember is to think about our environment. There are two kinds of environment. The outer environment which consists of The people we work with, our family members, our workspace, anything that has to do with our surroundings. And we may often have not much control over our outer environment. Let me share with you a story. There was a monastery, a very unique monastery, in which the monks were allowed to speak only once every 10 years, and then only two words. So a new monk joined the monastery and after 10 years he had his first opportunity to say his two words so all the monks were gathered around the dinner table and the head monk asked this young monk to speak and the monk said food bad alright so 10 more years passed it was 20 years into the monastery he had a second opportunity to speak and so the head monk asked him to speak and the monk said bed hard Ten more years passed, 30 years into the monastery. And he was given an opportunity to speak and the monk said, I quit. And the head monk said, I am not surprised. You have been complaining ever since you came. So there are certain aspects of our outer environment, which we may not have control, but there are things that we could perhaps control. For example, simplify, simplify your possessions if you can. The science has shown that too much clutter and possessions around one person can increase the stresses in daily life. Simplify your outer environment if you can. Turn off the TV as much as possible. Reduce your online screen time. But more importantly is the inner environment. The inner environment is our state of consciousness, the thoughts that are going through our minds. That we have complete control over. Now the thing is, the person asked, how can we step out of our environment into the silence? And like the question itself said, we may not have an opportunity to do that. So how can we feel that peace and that silence while we are in the midst of our activities? All it takes is a moment of sweet reawakening of that inner connection with God. So in the midst of our activities, just take a moment. Don't even need to close your eyes. It can be an inner conversation with an aspect of God that is dear to you, like the Divine Mother or Heavenly Father or your Guru, and just say, I love you, Lord. I love you. Guide me. Bless me. Be with me. Help me to feel your presence. And just in a moment, if our call is sincere, we can feel that sweet response of God in our hearts. Similarly, offering all our actions, offering all our activities to the Lord. How do we do that? Our Guru said every now and then again, between your activities, when you switch from one activity to another, or how, of, however often you can do this, inwardly say, I do this for God and Guru. I do this for God and Guru. Offer all actions, good and bad to God. And this is the way we spiritualize activities. Our Guru said that activity done with the thought of God, activity done for God is as good as meditation. And then, of course, we want to have our usual meditation routine, especially in the morning. Having a good meditation in the morning will go a long way in helping you retain your peace of mind, your equanimity during the battle of the day's activities. Ask God and Guru in your meditation to bless you, to help you hold on to your peace. And practicing the presence of God. Having that inner conversation going on all the time, like I mentioned before. Our Guru said, of greatest help in your development is the habit of mental whispering to God. You will see a change in yourself You will like very much your mind should continually whisper night and day, night and day. I look for thee, night and day. And one last point I would like to suggest is on the SRF YouTube channel. We have a short five minute video by our beloved president, brother Chidananda on the topic of a pranayama technique for controlling emotions. I would encourage you to watch that. It's a very simple but very powerful technique to quickly rid ourselves of negative emotions such as anxiety, worry, stress, fear. I would like to read to you something again from our beloved former President Sri Daya Mata and this appeared in a Self-Realization magazine some years ago. Many years ago, I said to Guruji, Master, It is very difficult because you have given so much responsibility. How can I keep my mind on God and at the same time face all these heavy responsibilities, financial, spiritual, organizational, all kinds? How can I do it? Can't we all relate to that? And in some ways, our beloved Ma held much more responsibility than perhaps most of us. And we know what she became through her persistence, her perseverance, and her devotion to God and Guru. And I want to read to you what she said after that question she asked Guruji. She said, I thought he would probably touch me on the forehead and say, here is a special blessing. No such thing occurred. He looked at me and said, yes, I complained to my Guru in the same way. Think of it, our Guru complaining to Sri Yukteswarji that he was unable to keep his mind on God in the midst of all his responsibilities. So we don't have to feel bad that we have the same challenge. Then he said, this is what you do. And listen carefully to these words because in this lies the essence of the entire spiritual life. He said, when you awaken in the morning, let your mind rest in the love of Divine Mother. Throughout the day, every now and then, in the midst of your activities, let your mind rest again in the loving Divine Father Mother. Remind yourself that you are not doing your work for anyone else or to gain any special favor for yourself. You are doing it out of the joy and love that you feel in God. When the day closes and you go quietly to your room, again, let your heart rest with God. In those few words, our Guru has given us the essence of the spiritual life. And in closing, I would like to read to you the last few lines of his poem, God, God, God. And I would encourage all of you to read that poem and to memorize it if you can because it contains the battle plan for life how to succeed in our journey to self-realization and the last few lines of the poem are in waking eating working dreaming sleeping serving meditating chanting divinely loving my soul constantly hums unheard by any, God, God, God. May God and the Great Ones bless us and be with us always.